0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The
1: prison guard shut the
0: iron door behind me. Howdy, howdy, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. I thought that today I would just give you a little update from the farm, first of all. Um, and you know what's funny is that, you know, when I put these podcasts together... I'm really talking to different audiences in different time periods in the future because, you know, there are people today listening to episode one for the first time, yet I made it three years ago. So there's a time offset and I hope that, you know, 10 years from now, somebody will be listening to what I'm saying today and I want it to be as fresh in 10 years and as useful in 10 years as it is I hope today. So I've always tried to avoid specific things about current events and you know upcoming shows and you know things that are very time sensitive. But I can't help but at least mention that this particular time period that I am recording this episode in right now which is uh, March the 20th of the year 2020. And for those of you who kind of follow along and listen to each episode, you know, pretty, you know, within a week or so of when they come out, you know, that audience I can talk about sort of like, at least make some mention of current events. But for those of you who do listen in the future, you may have no idea what I'm talking about. And uh, I hope and pray that that is so, that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, someone listening to this will be like, what in the world is he talking about? And I'm not even going to be specific about it. But for those of you who listen week to week, you will know that the, the last week or two has been rather chaotic, sort of haywire, you might say. I did a gig um was it yeah it was last Saturday um did a gig at an outdoor um this kind of like an, an outdoor market you know like a a fruit stand fruit and vegetable you know like garden stuff flowers this kind of thing so we did this outdoor gig It was a beautiful day absolutely gorgeous we were in the 80s our temperature reached the 80s and it's just been absolutely beautiful weather this week and yesterday Jackson said happy first day of spring and I said but son I I don't think the first day of spring is until tomorrow it's always like the 20th or the 21st he said no it's the 19th this year I was thinking about that. I'm like, no, nah, he, he can't be right. It's always the 20th or the 21st of March. Well, I looked it up, and of course, <laughs> of course, Jackson was right. And then it dawned on me that we had a leap year. This is leap year. And so we had a February the 29th. So that sort of offset us by one day. But anyway, I guess you'd say that spring has sprung. And so let me just give you a report from the field. I'll, I'll give you the good stuff first. The weather is absolutely beautiful. I came out here this morning at about five thirty. 30. Uh, nobody up but me and Carl. <laughs> Carl crowing away trying to rouse the hens who, by the way, have started laying again. I think I got uh, six or seven eggs yesterday. They're back laying full steam, and the grass is growing. Yesterday, or it was the day before, I mowed for the first time. Had to get the mower out and, you know, pump up all the tires and check the oil and Replace the belt and just a bunch of stuff. Fill her up with gas. Make sure she'd start. And I did a little mowing around what I call the barnyard, um, which if I ever have a uh, another one of my bluegrass festivals here at the barn, that's where the audience sits. It's the you might say it's the yard. It's it's where you know when the farrier comes to work on the donkey's feet, that's where he pulls in. It's just the little yard area in front of the barn. I mowed all that. And it needed it, and I'm already behind on my mowing. So while many people are sitting around watching the news and listening to the radio or watching Netflix endlessly, I've been out mowing, and uh, that's good. It's certainly good for the mind. Uh, when You know, when I go outside and I walk around, and I see the beautiful explosion of life taking place. The pollen. Oh, my God. The pine trees are just pumping out the pollen. It's unbelievable. You know, the cars are all yellow. I mean, that's the pine pollen. That's the the big stuff that you can easily see. But all the trees are budding out. Not the pecans yet, and not the chestnuts. They're a little slower, and the the oaks are beginning to put out little leaves. You remember that old saying, you know, when to plant corn is when the oak leaves are the size of a mouse's ear. We're very close to that right now. But it's hard to be depressed when you go outside and you look around and you've let the chickens out and the cats are running around chasing something or other and the dogs lollygagging around and the sky is beautiful. And you say, well, you know what? It's actually a pretty day. Now, if you uh, stay inside and stay glued to your TV and all this, uh, you can think, oh my God, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, but you know what? It's not. This will this will be over and it will be forgotten or Vaguely remembered by those who lived in this time period. So anyway, just a little positive outlook. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to admit, I've I've had my ups and downs uh, thinking about this. Because you got to rework life. Uh, the St. Patrick's Day gig that I was so looking forward to, uh, which would have been March 17th. And I had uh, David Ellis and Buddy Ashborg coming down from Atlanta to guest. And sit in with the pluck tones at... The St. Patrick's Day celebration at Pat's Place was canceled, of course. So, bummer, big bummer, my f- second favorite holiday of the year, canceled. Uh, so, you know, you have to deal with that. And then, of course, school was canceled, which is a has its pros and cons. Number one... I'm not driving back and forth to Columbus every day. Well, that's good. Uh, number two, um, get to spend more time with uh, my family. And uh, my wife is working from home, as you know I do every day. She's working from home. Jackson's doing school from home. So we're getting to spend a lot more time together. We haven't eaten fast food um, in the last 10 days. haven't gone out for pizza, you know, um, there are good things about this. Uh, Maybe, maybe it's a, it's a reminder of, you know, a little bit of how we used to live. And maybe that, you know, maybe sometimes just staying home with your family is a good idea anyway. So enough talk about this other than just to say we're alive and kicking and, uh, things are, Pretty much normal right here where I am. So that's that. Now, um, I've been receiving several, I I mentioned in the last episode, uh, go back to bonus episodes, I forget which one it is. It's the last bonus episode where I said, hey, do me a favor, send me an email. Well, we're going to hear from another Listener, another fellow listener today, and Jackson volunteered to read the email, so I'll give you a little break from listening to me. Here is Jackson reading one of our listener emails.
1: Today's favor is from Joe Mazingo, who says, Hey, Brad. First off, love the podcast. It makes my 30 minute drive to and from work better. I think it fills an important gap in bluegrass instruction beyond playing your instrument. Kind of like the filler at the back of the mandolin songbook that was my first introduction to you. I'm a 42-year-old father of two young girls, 9 and 4, and am married to a beautiful woman. All non-musical, and I was more of a football player growing up. So I am late to learning to play music. Started playing guitar before my 9-year-old was born. Then picked up the mandolin a couple of years later. I I don't have a lot of time to practice, so I have not progressed much past an early beginner. I know I need to find some people to play with to push me to get better. Probably like music that is not bluegrass, but bluegrass adjacent. Love bluegrass, though for its shared, though for its shared songs. Where else could you go blindly to a jam and participate? I live in Edgemore, South Carolina, about 30 minutes south of Charlotte. I also live on 13 acres of land, so I empathized when you had your driveway blocked by the hurricane, although I only had a single pine tree. I work as a mechanical engineer designing bearings for agriculture and construction equipment. Keep it up. Love the podcast. Love the stories. Thanks, Joe Mazingo.
0: Thank you, Jackson. Very well done, Jackson. He's going to um, record a few of these um, for future episodes. So if you don't feel like sitting down and recording yourself, you can send it. Send your email anyway so we can all get to know each other. And either I will read it or Jackson will read it. Um, Anyway, thanks, Jackson. And thanks for sending those in. It's so good to hear from people. You know, going back to what I was talking about before, especially in these times. I got to tell you, the website traffic, my website traffic is down to, let's call it way, way down. You know? And uh, and ditto for uh, sales of my products, but yet um, I don't want to use this as an excuse to peddle my wares and say, "Hey, now's the perfect time to, you know, get the jam tracks." Since you can't go to the jam, you can, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm getting a lot of emails from other business entities, you know saying similar things. And I don't find any fault with that because, you know, if you if your business, if your line of work is affected by this, I understand your concerns. I, I truly do because, you know, being a guy who the majority of my income for large portions of my adult life has been based on uh, someone else's leisure activities you know, there and all that stuff is so optional. You know, playing gigs, people don't have to go out and you know go to a bluegrass festival. People don't. It's not required that they learn to play the banjo or learn to play the mandolin or learn to play the dulcimer. It's just not required. So it's always optional. And when times get tough, those things go by the wayside. And unfortunately, that's the uh, the business that I have been in and am. Still in to this day, so I get it, but I I just can't bring myself to um, send out an email with such as that. And I'm sure you all have better things to be doing and better things to think about. But I will just say that uh, um, the my website is up and running. Everything's running as normal. So if you do have time on your hands and you're bored, go over there and scope it out. There's a ton of good information. A lot of a lot of freebies over there, and you know, give you something to do if you need need a little distraction in your life. All right, let's get to the uh, the point of today's episode, and I, I'm just going to freely tell you that over the I'm a little late in getting this episode out. Just been you know a lot of topsy turvy turmoil of trying to reorganize life and. And frankly, I just have not been in the mood to sit down and talk about bluegrass. And you probably haven't been. You're probably in a similar situation. I get that. So I hope you, you know, cut me some slack for not being so, uh, you know, prompt about this particular episode. Um, but I got to thinking about. I've been sitting on a recording that I've had for years, and I want to tell you a little bit about it, and then I'm just going to, for the balance of the show, I'm just going to play you this tape. And, you know, back before the internet was around, if, you know, people would loan each other records and tapes, or dub off a copy of a record, or make these mix tapes, and you know, hand them around to their friends. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had a student show up for a lesson and give me a CD that, you know, on the mag- it's written on magic marker on the front, you know, country gentleman or something. He's like, you got to check this out. I've got stacks of this stuff. And the stuff just gets passed, you know, from person to person. And the same was true with, you know, everybody is so it's common knowledge, all the memes and and things that get posted on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Well, back in the pre-internet days, those things still got handed around and it was what I used to call copy machine jokes. Some guy would have this crazy cartoon, you know, some kind of, there there were thousands of these and somebody would hand it to you and Of course, you'd go down to the copy machine, make a couple of copies of it, and hand it around to some of your buddies at the plant or in the office. And each generation, you know, it was a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And they got gnarlier and gnarlier. One speck of dust eventually became a big blob of black. And, you know, they became harder and harder to read as these things were disseminated around And uh, as a little aside, back a a good number of years ago, I began collecting these. I would ask all my friends, hey, you know, I'd show them a couple of these and I'd say, have you got any of these? Anytime you ever see one of these floating around, uh, give me a copy of it. And I was going to amass a collection of the best of what I called copy machine jokes and cartoons and publish them as a book. And I still have this massive folder full of these crazy things. And some of these go back to, like, some of them were political. Like, I've got a pretty funny one of of when George Bush was running against, I forget the guy's name, uh, Dukakis. and Just all kind of stuff. Um, Anyway. Never did anything with that because when the internet came out, uh, people stopped doing that. Now they just email each other these little funnies and jokes and all this kind of stuff. So the day of the copy machine joke has gone by. But at that same time, there were similar things being handed around and passed around on cassette tape. You know, if it was somebody had something kind of funny, you know, they would make a dub it off on their double cassette deck and make a copy of it and they'd give it to somebody, you know, like, hey, check this out. You got to hear this thing. And a lot of this stuff, because it was handed from hand to hand, nobody really knew who made it, you know. So I'm at a bluegrass festival or it might have happened at a lesson or a jam session. I don't remember where I got this tape. I think, I think I got it from Jeff Howald. Probably so, because he's a, he's he's appreciative of good jokes and humor like I am, which is another way of saying he's he's nuttier than a fruitcake, um, as I may be as well. I'm pretty sure he gave me this tape, but now where he got it and where that person got it and who I have no idea of the, the lineage of the you know. The uh, paper trail of how this tape came to reside in my hands, and the the copy that I have the tape. It's just a cassette tape, and it's got a a Radio Shack. It was a, it, it was a Radio Shack like forty five minute tape or something, and written on there in ballpoint pen on the on the label it says something like, um, "Bill ends the feud." And then it had in Magic Marker, it said, for Brad. So somebody made that copy and intended to give it to me and did. So I had this tape, and you know, I couldn't listen to it at the moment. I took it and played it in the car. And I was cracking up when I heard this thing. So I'm going to play you that tape now. And I also want to tell you that when the internet came around, some some of these sorts of things began to pop up on the internet. And for a time, this audio that you're going to hear, which is a satirical comedy thing um, with Bill Monroe and Lester Flatt, um, it did show up on the Internet at one time. And, you know, somebody posted it and there was, you know, people know about this, this tape is what I'm saying. But I've, I've searched for it and sometimes I can find it and sometimes I can't. And, you know, somebody may have even digitized it and slapped it up on YouTube or something by now. I don't know. I've tried to search for it, and the last time I searched for it, which was about a year ago, I didn't find it. I found some references to it, but I didn't find the actual audio file. It was like somebody posted it, but their website was defunct and it wasn't there anymore. So since I still have the actual tape, I digitized it for your listening Pleasure. And for those of you who are not familiar with Bill Monroe and Lester Flat and the whole concept of the feud between Bill Monroe and Flat and Scruggs, I'll leave that for you to research on your own. And I would say that it's helpful if you've listened to some live recordings of Bill Monroe and live recordings of Flat and Scruggs so that you recognize their speaking voices. Obviously, this tape is a complete put-on and a farce, and uh, I find it quite amusing. And I hope that it uh, lightens your day a little bit. To hear, I shall now present to you the tape of Bill Monroe and Lester Flat end their feud. Enjoy, friends. We're
2: gathered here together at the old Sound Shop Recording Studio. This is Randy Blake with WJJD Radio in, in Chicago, Illinois. I have with me here, what is your name, sir? A fellow disc jockey. My name is Lance Husky. Lance Husky, he's a pop disc jockey, but he will be interviewing two very famous people who have been reunited for the first time in probably at least 35 to 40 years. We're so proud to have him with us here on our station. We have the famous Lester Flat.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Well, welcome, Lester. Thank you. We also have the very famous Bill Monroe.
3: Hattie,
4: folks. I'd like to say hattie to all our friends and fans out there, and we've been on the Grand Old Upper since 1939. They ought to take care of it.
2: Do you have a question for him?
3: Yes, I just uh, recently heard that you have reconciled your relationship here. I just would like to know uh, what caused all this. What did he say?
2: Would you like to go first, Lester?
3: Well, I don't know. I think he goes back to the early days when uh, when we just wouldn't get in the right billing with uh, the Monroe Bluegrass boys. And I think we just parted ways because... Me and Earl wanted to go out on our own, you know, and of course the money wasn't the best in the world.
2: Well, I I heard it was over women, is that true, Bill? Uh, well,
4: uh, women had a lot to do with it now, um, but you know, I, I I give Lester a job first and then Earl come along and, and, and I give him a job and put him on the Opry. Earl, and, Earl, who was it? Um, uh, Scruggs. Yeah. Uh, Scruggs come in, he come in from North Carolina and, and Flat come in from uh, Tennessee up there around Sparty and I put him on the Opry and really built their name up to where they could they could really, you know, really try to help them and bring them along, and, and they help bluegrass a lot.
2: Is it true, Lester, that y'all had nothing to do with creating bluegrass music? That it was all created it come by Mister Monroe? It
4: come here from Kentucky in nineteen thirty nine.
2: And and uh, Lester, you're from Sparta, right? That's Sparta, Tennessee. So right. that would mean you'd have nothing to do with creating bluegrass.
3: I think I had a hand in it back then. I don't think Bill was the first. Uh manlin player. uh, I think Curly Seckler's about as good as as Bill ever was on the manlin.
4: Seckler never played in the keys, the keys like B and B-flat in his life while he had to have it down there open where he could
3: he could go like this with it. We always used a cheater back back years ago.
4: That's right there was a lot of cheating that was going on back in there.
3: Not half as much as it was in the the Bluegrass Boys. Nashville Grass is fine, upstanding boys.
4: Nashville Grass. You would have thought they could have picked a name that didn't have nothing to do with a bunch of horns.
2: Well, uh, you boys, I hope that we don't uh, kind of pour a little gasoline on the on the uh, the fight here tonight, you know, and start another. Uh, dispute between you guys because you finally gotten together after that, 35 right. years, and, that, and we right. want to keep it as calm as we can. That's right. But I, I do understand that that, uh, that uh, Mr. Monroe here, I, I say with a great deal of respect, uh, probably did have a lot to do with creating bluegrass music, and had it not been for television, uh, that they say that the Flat and Scruggs show would have died a natural death.
3: Well, at least we got chosen to be on the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh,
2: well, they said that was a bunch of, of
3: politics. Well, I think it is new class when they seen it. What, what do you think, Mr. Monroe?
4: I, I never did know nothing about no hillbillies. We we wore white shirts and ties when we come here. We didn't want to be called no kind of a hillbilly.
2: You wore regular ties?
4: That's right, and we brought that here when we come here in 1939. From Everybody, Kentucky? That's right. Everybody up there would wear a white shirt and be a gentleman about it, and he would not be wearing just anything and letting people call him a hillbilly.
2: And what else was the other guys wearing at the opera?
4: They would wear this kind of a plaid outfit, and, and just like a farmer would wear or something like that, but we wanted to really put it up there like like people would really want to see a show you see.
3: <laughs> you look like a bunch of farmers, best I can remember.
4: Yeah, I want you to listen right to that the right there. <laughs> now
3: you see there? Now he's starting every bit of this. <laughs>
4: now he's coming in there with this stuff that just needs to be left right back on up there in spite of where it comes from.
2: Lance, do you have a question there?
3: Well, uh, I've always wondered, I've heard about this, Bill, that you wouldn't let Flatt scrugs Scruggs in the dressing room at the Grand old opera, tune
1: um, up,
4: is that the truth? No, no, there was a lot of people that was really against that there, and, and, and it didn't matter to me because I, I didn't know what they was up to one way or the other, but there was other people that wanted to keep them out, you see, because they just didn't think that what they was doing would fit here at the opera.
3: I don't think y'all ever were in tune that I can remember. Uh, who's that? The the bluegrass boys. I don't think
4: as if wasn't. Well, we we taught you all how to tune, and then and then you took it with you, and and, and then you stayed in tune for a few years, and then it got plumb away from you.
3: Well, not to take anything
2: away from you, Mister Monroe, but I understand the first time that y'all were in a real good tune together was when Kenny Baker came on your band.
4: Oh no 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 sir no sir now that that man right there now he was a drunk he loved it and he had to have it boy. And he would just let it run his business, and, and, and sometimes he would want to fiddle, and, but most of the time he just wanted to drink, and I could not have a... Are, like you, that. are you against alcohol? I really stand against that right there. Now, I could have been a powerful drunk myself. I, man, I love the taste of whiskey. No telling how much, but I knew that I had a powerful job to do leading the Bluegrass Boys, and I couldn't be like
3: that. What about you, uh, Lester? Well, I had a fine fiddle player, Paul Warren, you know, for so many years. You think and, he, uh, could, he was better than oh, Kenny he, Baker? Oh, he was much better. You know, when you'd play that uh, Katie Hill, uh, you know it had been I remember play, it well. You know? And uh, I know, uh, I understand his Kenny Baker carried Bill's sound for a long time, he <sighs> was kind of a, a big asset to the band. And, A lot of folks, I think, would go out and hear Bill just to hear Baker.
4: (laughs) No, no, sir, when when Baker left and we finally had to let him go because he was drinking so bad he was just tearing our show plumb down, he wasn't with us for 27 years. (laughs) Uh, excuse
2: the laughter there, Mr.
4: Monroe. Well, that seems That's like... right. I'm used that, to people laughing at Did you at give him a gold watch when he left? No, sir, and I didn't give him no chain, neither. <laughs>
2: well, I, I have heard rumor that, uh, that Garth Brooks is fixing to cut. Oh, uh, Christmas times are coming. Now, I, I understand uh, Mr. Jimmy Martin... And you wrote this tune, and, what, what, what and is probably that Lester had some uh, No, hand in it too. no,
4: hey, hey, hey. Now,
2: and hey, they said that you might have stolen it
4: from no, him. no, no, sir, no, sir. Now, let me tell you something uh, Jimmy Martin, he never had a thing to do with Christmas times of coming. Why, well, he don't even believe in Christmas. Is that wrong? Right? No, sir. Why, well, he don't even have a chimney. A chimney? No, sir, and if he was to What is a chimney? Uh, uh, that that the big thing, that that man in the red suit, he comes down that in the winter and puts all the stuff under the tree there. Oh, I see. That's right.
2: So he had nothing to do with it, so... No, if, sir. If Garth cuts it, then he'd probably sell a four or five million records. Is that right? Uh, would you be Ooh. pleased with that?
4: Oh, that'd bring a lot of money in there, boy.
2: He won't cut it bluegrass, though.
4: Um, Well, th- th- that would be all right. You, three or four. Four or five million records? Yes, sir. Well, as long as he likes the number, that, and if it would help him, we would be proud for him to do it.
2: So you think that number would help him move on in?
4: Oh, yes, sir. Well, we helped Elvis get his style, you know. He did Blue Moon of Kentucky. Well, that's right. That's that correct. was his first record, and we were proud that it uh, it helped him get his style. Well, at first, we, we, we really didn't care for because we wrote that number, Blue Moon of Kentucky. It's a waltz number, you see. But now, he, he made it up-tempo, and um, we didn't like it at all. But after it sold about two million records, we thought it was really helping him a bunch. Yeah, I can understand
2: it. Uh, did, did you ever have
3: anything that, that made someone famous like that, Lester? Well, I we had the original cut on You Are My Flower, and I, we a lot of people have copied that little lick that uh, Earl was trying to play. Uh, uh, we've been copied quite a bit down through the years, but I hadn't had any major Pieces recorded by some of the new hot acts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've heard that Flat & Scruggs has outsold Bill Monroe and records. Is that true, Lester? Oh, that's no doubt about it, because people know good music when they hear it. Well, uh, Lester, I understand that you're thinking about going all electric (laughs) and having a full plug-in band. Yeah, we're going to get... uh, Lots of plug-in band going to electric guitar. I'm getting me a new Flying V Gibson. This week I'll be playing, and uh, uh, Paul's getting him the Barkus Berry set up on his fiddle. I see.
2: Well, what is Earl? What what will he be playing? Is he still with you, by the way?
3: uh Yeah, Earl's gonna be playing the electric banjo on the electric It's nice kind of the Buck Trent style. Yeah, this is a nice banger It's the new one that Gibson just made for. Them. With the silver dollar on it and everything. Yeah, that's right.
2: Well, I, I'm sure glad, and, and I hope that this broadcast has helped the people understand more how people can get back together after 35 years of dispute.
3: That's right.
2: And we have one more question here from, from Lance.
3: He'd like to ask. Is there a chance that flat? and Scruggs and Bill Monroe could record another album. Well, our record labels will have to get together on it and see what we can come up with, and uh, I don't know how Bill would feel about it, but...
4: uh, Well, that would be fine if uh, if Lester could get it uh, up there high enough that I could sing tenor to it.
3: Well, if you could get your tenor up there to pitch, it'd be nice, you know. uh, I'm not last here. Time I'm not I, here to
4: pitch. I'm here to play music.
3: The last time I heard you, you kind of sounded like a, like an old cow out bawling, you know, just a caterwauling sound. Is that word bawling?
4: Yes, sir. Oh, they love to talk about that right there, you know. Yes, sir. They had to bring that into
3: it. It's hard to sing with anybody that ain't in tune, you know.
4: Well, I guess you know how that is.
3: Well, now, surely you
2: gentlemen are not going to start fighting again here. Well,
4: no, sir. He don't want no part of me. See, Lance and I are are
2: not young enough to be able to come back in 30 years (laughs) (laughs) and bring you guys back together again.
4: That'd that'd be about another 30.
2: How old are you now, Mr. Monroe? I was born in
4: 1911. You figured it.
2: (laughs) Okay, I've got 81.
4: That's right.
3: And how old are you? I'm seventy-seven. Seventy-seven, with a bullet.
4: <laughs> that don't surprise me a bit.
2: Well, I, I think all the folks out in Radio Land will be glad to hear that you guys possibly might do an album together. And I they would hold cer- my breath, my you. They probably certainly e- enjoyed this interview that we, Lance and I have done with you. And I just hope that y'all can continue success. And and uh, please, you know, no fighting on the way out of the studio today.
4: We'll, we'll, we'll try to really hold it together. What? what you? Oh, hey, 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 oh, hey let's uh, get the out of
0: you. Well, that was pretty crazy. I still love that thing. You know, there's been a lot of guesses made as to who did the various voices and impersonations and who who was asking the questions. And I've got my ideas and I've heard some other people's ideas. Um, But I've never absolutely had it confirmed. I should have asked Ronnie McCurry the the day we talked to him. John and I talked to him on the street in uh, Athens, Georgia. I forgot to ask him, because I got a funny feeling he's either on the tape or he knows who's on the tape. Um, This thing probably, I'm I'm guessing maybe late 80s, maybe is when this was made. It could have been earlier, could have been a little later, I don't know. But I've had the tape for a very long time. I probably got my hands on it sometime in the mid-90s, or maybe before, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody's day goes very well. Get out. Get some sunshine. Let your body make that vitamin D. And perhaps uh, I'd say now is a good time to get busy uh, working on that garden. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing better than tending little, little plants and uh, seeing them grow. And the uh, same goes for, you know, some baby chicks or little baby ducks or a little baby goat or a little baby human. It's good to see a new young life and to help them along. So anyway, if you, you know, if you don't know what to do, just get a pot and plant a few tomato seeds in it or some pepper seeds or something and uh, put it out on your porch, wherever you may be. Y'all have a good one. I'm going to get my head back in the bluegrass realm here um, pretty soon. And uh, I look forward to doing more episodes. And thank you to everyone who is supporting the show. All of you Patreon patrons, I do. I see you. I appreciate you. I really do. And, of course, anybody who has purchased any of my downloadable ebooks books and uh, courses and videos, there is a, a lot of stuff there. And I appreciate each and every one of you who have um, purchased any of those either because you want to learn something or just flat out because you want to help support the show. I do appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Uh, hopefully soon, I'll see you at a bluegrass festival here one of these days soon. Talk to you in the next episode.